Welcome to the Talking with Tata podcast. I'm your host, Andy Schneider, also known as Tata. I'm really excited for you all to listen to my podcast with the founder of Smocked Art, Rachel Silver. Smocked is an art and sensory play class that's really tailored to meet the needs and interest of all children. She focuses on bubbles, Play-Doh, she makes her own sensory bins, and what we learn in today's podcast is, first of all, how to start a business during COVID. She, like me, started this business in 2020 and really did it to help children at the time. She has a background in art and wanted to really share her knowledge and started to notice that there was a lack of just classes like hers, and that's when this all expanded. She is also a mother of two and discusses the intricacies of raising a family, starting a business, and really just managing to balance it all. We discuss the importance of social media and how it's really impacted her business, as well as just the importance of sensory play for your child, which we will talk about in today's tip of the day. Through sensory play, there's so many benefits for children and of all ages, even yeah. adults really. Perhaps it's imaginative play that's going on with a bin such as, you know, beans and dinosaurs and they're creating mm-hmm. a whole world with those dinosaurs. And for a one-year-old in that same exact sensory bin, they could just be scooping and pouring the bins. So I find it just such like a magical experience for crossing such different age groups mm-hmm. and abilities, but really, an amazing method for fine motor skills. You know, just being comfortable with so many different materials and textures. As a reminder, each week we will have Tata's tip of the week. And today's tip is the importance of sensory play. You will hear in my podcast with Rachel all about how to really stimulate your child and expand on their knowledge and language skills really through sensory work. What Rachel does is she has a bin, and even if it's just playing with rice or beans, your child is feeling different textures. So one thing that I really want to um, reinforce here is the importance of sensory play. Sensory play will stimulate your child in a bunch of different ways, whether it's working on their senses, vision, hearing, smell, touch. You can simply just play with Play-Doh and they're smelling it. They're feeling different textures and that's extremely important, especially for mealtime. Sometimes we have picky eaters and sometimes your child just wasn't exposed to certain textures and they don't feel comfortable eating mashed potatoes. They look disgusting and they feel a little bit weird and your child will say no. So starting them with sensory play and just exposing them to different senses at an early age is extremely important. A few benefits of sensory play are emotional regulation. Think about it. When you are playing with a stress ball or maybe putting your hands in warm water or the feeling of rice, it relaxes you. Same thing with children, really giving them that outlet to express themselves. It will help with their emotional regulation. As well as it really helps the brain create connections to sensory information. You are teaching them about listening and listening to different sounds and maybe paying attention to what sounds will matter, what to look out for. These are all things that you can start at a very early age. At the same time, as we discussed before, it will help with learning about different textures, which would be extremely important for picky eaters during mealtime. And the final one is motor skills. Rachel shares with us the importance of even just strengthening your hands and, you know, putting your hand into a bucket and strengthening and learning how to hold a pen. You can actually learn how to hold a pen by simply using a paintbrush and painting. We highly recommend starting at a young age, really just learning how to stimulate your child through sensory work. 
I'm very excited to welcome Rachel Silver, the founder of Smocked Classes. Smocked is an art and sensory play class that is tailored to meet the needs and interests of children and their caretakers. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So for those in South Florida who don't know about your classes, can you give us a little bit of information as to who you are, your background, and what Smocked is? Absolutely. So I am a mom of two. I, for many years, was an elementary art teacher in the public school system. In South Florida? In South Florida, okay. in Miami, in Miami Beach mostly. Okay. And I had my youngest daughter in January 2020. So I was on maternity leave when everything shut down, mm -hmm. and I had a three-year-old at home who wasn't in school, and I had zero help. So every day, I would put together different activities for her the evening before mm -hmm. for her to do the next day. So sensory bins or a lot of sensory bins or like different art projects, sensory bins. And I would post them to my personal social media. The following fall, I was still on maternity leave, and I couldn't imagine going back to the school system because mm -hmm. of everything that was going on, the virtual classes. And I started doing very small group art classes, I would say like in my backyard or yours. Yeah. So outdoor art classes. And my clientele was getting younger and younger. So I was used to teaching elementary kids, but there were a lot of three and four-year-olds who weren't in school, a lot mm -hmm. of five-year-olds who weren't in school that year. A five-year-old can't sit and do 45 minutes yeah. of art. A three-year-old can't do 45 minutes of art. So I started designing sensory bins and sensory activities to go along with that art component mm -hmm. and the word got out and I started doing larger and larger classes of sensory play and art and they really became wow. these larger group classes outdoors in parks and in backyards mm -hmm. and it, I named it Smocked. I love that. So we usually ask people how their business has changed since 2020 but it seems as though yours really started. Mine started because of 2020. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. So why art? You know, obviously, I know you have the background in that, but what do you think it does for children? Sensory, um, maybe tell us a little bit about what you put into your bins. Like, what are you trying to achieve with this? Sure. So because I have that background of elementary art, I, as in Miami-Dade County, in public school, art is for students in grades second through fifth with the art teacher. So I was mm -hmm. teaching children who were, some of them were seven, but most of them were eight to 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was getting eight-year-olds who couldn't cut they had never really felt paint before. So they would rub it all over their bodies because wow. they grew up without that experience. Mm -hmm. So because I have the elementary background, when I had my own kids, I realized the importance of providing them with these experiences from a very young age, mm -hmm. that sensory exploration. You know, and through sensory play, there's so many benefits for children and of all ages, even yeah. adults, really. With my own daughter, when she was two, three years old, she couldn't sit down and focus on anything for more than a minute or two, but if you gave her a sensory bin, like yeah. you could sit down and have a cup of coffee for 30 minutes. It was magic. Yep. And there's so many opportunities for a four or five-year-old. Perhaps it's imaginative play that's going on with a bin such as, you know, beans and dinosaurs and they're creating a whole mm -hmm. world with those dinosaurs. And for a one-year-old in that same exact sensory bin, they could just be scooping and pouring the bins. So I find it just such like a magical experience for crossing such different age groups mm -hmm. and abilities, but really an amazing method for fine motor skills, you know, just being comfortable with so many different materials and textures. And yeah. you have a lot of kids who without that, they can lash out or they're just, you know, sensory adverse. Yeah. We notice it a lot with just the speech therapy field. You know, 
sometimes you want to be more creative and have someone paint or use glue. And a lot of these kids won't touch it. And I think it's because of COVID and somewhat of what you're saying, you know, they weren't exposed to it. So if you're born in COVID, you probably didn't have it for two to three years. There are a lot of kids who didn't have it for two to three years. And most parents don't want to paint in their own house. I barely want to paint in my own house with my kids. And it's my job. So I absolutely understand it. Unfortunately, not all early childhood educational programs are created equal. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot that are really focused so much more on a craft where the teacher's really cutting and gluing and then, oh, you know, maybe put your handprint on this, maybe not, but it's really the teacher who's doing a lot of the work. Yeah. And so the art that we do in Smocked is really um, process art. So what does that mean? So process art is all about exploring different materials and learning about the process. So maybe that's printmaking, maybe it's painting um, with sponges, Mm -hmm. all these different processes instead of a product. So there's no right or wrong way for something to look at the end of process art. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's all about exploring the materials. Mm -hmm. And it's not a craft. And I love crafts. Don't get me wrong. Like as a human being, I I love doing crafts. And I think that there's a very valuable tool. Crafts are great. We learn so much through craft. But process art for young children in particular is really important. Yeah. And it's almost, I mean, look, if you go to a museum, every... Every artist is different. Everyone has their own uh, technique. Everyone has their own final product. I think you're kind of teaching that in an early age. Really, the end result doesn't matter. It's really about what you're doing, what you're feeling, how you're feeling doing it, right? There's so many other Absolutely. components to it. Absolutely. It's so funny because, you know, my husband, whenever we go to Art Basel or we yeah. go to a contemporary and he's always like, oh, you know, when people always say, my kid could do that. Yep. And it's so funny because the art that we create in Smocked, it really is worthy of being hung up. A beautiful home. You know? My niece has <laughs> one of her beautiful paintings from yeah. your class. Yeah, and it's yep. so funny because it's something that like fits right alongside beautiful contemporary art. Yeah. Pro- and that's process art, most of it. There's so much importance to sensory play. Um, that's something we do. I know, to, I know a lot of occupational therapists do it. Like I mentioned before, that emotional regulation, um, even just for us, when we touch stress balls or if you're sometimes I'm I'm making colored pasta or rice and I'm just playing with it and I find that I almost doze off because I'm so relaxed touching it. Absolutely. It's so funny because we at the beginning of our classes, we start with Play-Doh every week. So we have mm-hmm. a different Play-Doh invitation. It's homemade Play-Doh. We use all taste-safe So you materials. make them all. So I, I, we make all of the Play-Doh or wow. all of our own Play-Doh at Smocked. And um, it's made with all food ingredients. So we say like it's not food, but it's made from food. Yep. So we start – that's our first um, segment of class. And a lot of times the parents are playing around. They're like, this is so relaxing. Yeah. It absolutely is. And I say like that's why I find that I'm – so relaxed as a person. Like I really live a very low stress lifestyle. And I think it's because I'm making sensory bins and playing with Play-Doh all day with the kids. Right. No, it's fun. And I also, I 100% agree with that. I just think a lot of what I tell people is if you love what you're doing, you're going to thrive. So I think you're kind of modeling that for us right now, which I think is awesome. Are you the only teacher? So I have some other instructors who okay. do a little bit. I'm the primary instructor. Okay. Is that difficult to, you know, they're not you. So is that hard to find someone who can do it's, what you it's do? It's very hard to find someone. Mm-hmm. I think that it's probably right now my biggest challenge is okay. to find someone to make sure that the quality is there and also the experience. You know, I think that the interesting thing about a, a child and me class, right, is that there's a child and there's also a grown up that's mm. accompanying them. And it could be a mom, it could be grandma, it could be dad, it could be the the nanny. You're dealing with children, you're also dealing with adults. And yep. to find someone who can do both, it's it's a very um, niche mm-hmm. field. I know we struggle sometimes with moms who say, 
all right, you're blowing bubbles. I could do this. Why am I paying for this? What do you answer parents, you know, when they say to you, why are we taking this class? Or what is my child learning by rolling Play-Doh every day? Right. And I think that the best part of our sensory bins is that the mess at the end, no one wants that in their house. Yep. So that's my job to clean it up. And, you know, I do have some wonderful parents. Oh, let me help you clean. I'm like, I got it. That's, yeah, yeah. that's why you come here. Yep. Absolutely. So you're taking the mess out of everything, really. You're cleaning it up for them. Yeah. I always say, like, this is why you come to a class with us. Yep. So you don't um, have to deal with it anymore. What are the age ranges? I, From what I understand, it's something about sitting up. The classes that I have um, created the curriculum for right now, I prefer that children are able to sit independently. Okay. And that's mostly so they can engage properly in the class, but yeah. also with the material, sometimes things could be like a choking hazard. And yeah. I just want to make sure that they're able to sit up. We can see their faces when when they're engaging with the sensory bins and the materials. Mm -hmm. You know, I do hope to design more of a newborn curriculum. Okay. But at this time, yeah, it's it's sitting up. So that's generally around six months. I think yep. I think the best age to start it really depends on the kid. But our most common age to start is around somewhere between 9 to 12 months. Mm -hmm. And then we have up through about three years mm -hmm. is our current yeah. age range. Yeah. And I think that's great. I mean, I know we struggle sometimes with children who might take a car that you think is way bigger than their head and they'll try to stuff it in their mouth or the rice, the pasta. Um, there's plenty of children with allergies. Um, so there's a lot of things that you, I'm assuming you have to consider when you're making Absolutely. Your and I always ask about allergies. Allergy mom myself, both ah, of my girls okay. um, have had food allergies. Okay. So I'm super sensitive to that. Many of our materials, since they're taste safe, they're made using food products. Mm -hmm. So I always try to be as accommodating as possible, but it is important to know of any potential food mm -hmm. allergies so that we can make accommodations yeah, for those particular some classes moms and students. probably don't know at that age, right? You know, when do you really yeah. figure out that your child has an allergy to something? Exactly. So, yeah. And, you know, I always make sure that nothing contains nuts or peanuts or any of those really high allergen foods, eggs, there's no dairy. Mm -hmm. This is something I struggle with, and I would love your opinion on this. Working with families that you know. A lot of the moms in Miami, I know them personally or friends of friends, friends of my sisters. It's a struggle. It's it's nice sometimes because you get to see familiar faces, but how do you deal with, you know, maybe working with someone that you had dinner with last week or working with their child? And I'm just curious your opinion on that. Well, it's so interesting because I actually credit my own social network in Miami Beach mm -hmm. with getting smocked off the ground. When I decided to pivot towards a private model, mm -hmm. a good friend of mine um, helped me get the word out. And my first batch of three very small groups of clients were all a direct result of um, her putting the word out. So because of that, I think most people who do my classes at some point are either a friend or yep. a friend or a friend. And I personally love it mm -hmm. because I get to see them. I get to see their kids grow. Over the past two, two and a half years, the circle has become much larger. So mm -hmm. now I have people who come to my class who have never heard of me. If we tried, we probably couldn't find right. anyone in common, especially, you know, with the creation of a website mm -hmm. and, and everything like that. But I personally like it. You know, there are some decisions that I have to make that I really have to think about, you know, what would my friends think about this? Because those are my clients. Yeah. And what about feedback? How do you handle, you know, it's pretty easy to handle the positive feedback, but what about negative feedback? I almost am afraid that I don't receive the important feedback that I should be receiving because of that. Mm. So I don't know if the answer to that is creating an anonymous survey or – but I do think that biggest room in the world is room for improvement, and I would love to know more about 
what we could do in our classes yeah. to um, improve our product. Mm -hmm. And I do think that perhaps that is a barrier to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I 100% agree with that. And I think, um, you know, I've seen that myself. Sometimes I wonder, are they just telling me my class is awesome or yeah. do they actually believe that? You know, maybe yeah. it's a little bit of both, but I'm always curious about that. Yeah, me too. And especially, I mean, I think that the proof is in the pudding, right? We have a lot of families who've been doing our classes for two years. And then when their child ages out, they have another a younger one who winds up doing it. So that's always very reassuring. Yeah. Yep. When the sibling does it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Where do you see Smocked, you know, moving in the future? Are you looking to expand to other states, other cities, or are you really South Florida? I, I would love to expand to other places. I think that as a parent myself, one of the reasons that I wanted to go into a more of a private model for education was that I could be more flexible and spend more time with my kids. And I do think that my concern about spreading to a different market mm -hmm. would be how do I make sure that the quality is there, yeah. that there's no intellectual property issues without me having to physically be there on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to be traveling yeah. for work purposes on a yeah. regular basis at all. I love that I'm within 45 minutes of all of my classes. Yeah. A smart class, there's material management is a huge component. Every week we have a different Play-Doh invitation with a different sensory bin and a different art process. So people always ask me, where do you keep all this stuff? It's a lot of stuff. And to replicate that in a different market yeah. would be a challenge. Where do you keep everything? Does your husband want to <laughs> kill you? Everyone wants to know. <laughs> yeah. um, everyone in my family wants to kill yeah. me. Every closet that's not being used for clothing has something related to my business. I do have a storage unit as well. Okay. I do a lot of parties. So we have also, you know, tables and chairs and everything that we mm -hmm. use for our parties and a lot of our seasonal materials. I After Christmas holidays are over, I take my big bins of Christmas yep. and put them into storage because those I want. Part of my creative process is kind of seeing everything that I have and creating for a party or for just weekly classes. Yep. Mix and matching everything. So Ab Absolutely. So tell us about the parties. Do you teach it? Do you sell a bin or is it a combination? Um, I'm assuming you have to match a theme for the party. Yeah. Okay. So most of our parties are staffed. Okay. I design everything. It's custom design. I work with the top party planners in the Miami area and I really pride myself on a very high level of customization. So usually our clients are working with a party planner. They mm -hmm. have some graphics or other color schemes that they're working with and a theme. And then I create all new materials for that. So it's usually a mixture of sensory bins and a Play-Doh table. Mm -hmm. We can always be flexible. Some parties are just bins. Some are more focused on the Play-Doh. And then some for older kids are really just art. I love the parties. It really- It's fun, right? It's so fun. I, I try to be there for most of the parties myself. I do have staff who help out a lot with the parties. Mm -hmm. But I would say that that's really what keeps me very creative. And mm -hmm. it's nice to have a focus and a theme. I love a theme. I love doing- my yep. own kids' parties. And we see really the, the behind the scenes because you do show us on your social media, on your Instagram. How much do you think Instagram and just social media in general has really impacted your business? Oh, Instagram I credit for 99% of my wow. business. Wow. Yeah. Do you enjoy doing that or is it a second job? It's a second job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoy it, but they're definitely – when I'm busy, it's really hard to remind myself, oh, I should film this. Yep. Or I should hop on to my stories mm -hmm. and mention what's going on this week or whatever because I'm I'm really 
I'm really busy and I yeah. try to use my free time to spend with my family and, yeah. you know, I just started squeezing in time to work out. Like I hadn't been doing that for two years. Wow. Well, your classes probably are a little bit of a workout, you know, the bubbles at the yeah. end and they, they crawling all fit. over. They keep yeah. me fit. It's exactly. a lot of lifting. It's exactly. a lot of lifting. Some bicep curls yeah. in there. Absolutely. So you're extremely creative. You really show us the background on Instagram and behind the scenes of how you're making all of your bins and the Play-Doh and everything. Where do you come up with all of these ideas? That's a great question. So the, one of my favorite inspirations is just any type of holiday that's coming up. That's always an easy one for yeah. me. And I know that parents love to be able to take their child to a class and feel like they're celebrating something just yeah. by coming. It takes a lot of pressure off, yeah. right? You don't need to do something for Valentine's Day if you're coming to my class and yeah. it's Valentine's theme. And, and you you're can... teaching them. Like, what is Valentine's Day? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, and then I, a lot of my themes, because the Play-Doh generally also matches the sensory bin. Okay. So a lot of the themes that I work off of, different animals or foods. I love a food theme. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after Labor Day, when we kicked off our fall session, we had a barbecue theme and it was super cute. We'll do an ice cream theme. Winds up being a lot of animals, a lot of foods. If we do a birthday party, that gives me great inspiration. Yep. Or maybe we'll do a ballet theme because I've already cute. just spent a week prepping for it. So maybe, oh, maybe in a few weeks from now, I'll take some of those Right. Things that I see. Reuse some and, of your. Yeah, reuse some of the inspiration. Right. And then what are some of the ingredients that you're really using? You know, what are your top five? So, top five, I would say any type of bean mm -hmm. is very high up there for me. I think lentils are amazing. I love the sounds that beans make when they're poured from one vessel yeah. to another, and the kids really love it. Um, dyed rice is always mm -hmm. a huge one. So, whenever we have a holiday that I need a really specific color for, like Valentine's Day or St. Patrick's Day. I'll do dyed rice for that. And then I really also love making, I call it cloud dough, but it's basically flour with vegetable oil. Mm -hmm. And you can also add cocoa powder to that to make it more of like a dirt color yep. material. Yep. And that's great for construction vehicles. We've used beach toys mm -hmm. and animals and made it like a beach theme, like sand. Mm -hmm. So that's a great one. Also for like a beach theme, just uh, ground up cereal has been awesome. Yep. Yeah, I'm at the Dollar Tree. The Dollar Tree is my greatest source of inspiration. I go at least weekly. Okay. I just wander through and I'll see what they have in stock. They change their stuff all the time. I go to like five different Dollar Trees in the Miami area oh, wow. because they okay. don't all stock the same. Not every Dollar Tree is created equally. Okay. Interesting. Those who do the Dollar Tree know there are some good Dollar Trees. Mm -hmm. Last year, they had these amazing plastic sand dollars and sea stars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great quality, unbreakable. And so I did a beach theme based off of Love that. Love that, especially in Miami. One last question for you. How do you deal with the competition? Maybe not competition, but how do you prevent someone in New York City from copying you because they see all these great ideas and behind the scenes on Instagram? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think there's a very fine line between getting people excited and then showing them some what goes into it and yeah. giving away all of your secrets. I... Don't know that I have the right answer to that. But I think in terms of at least the Miami market, my class is unique in that structure. I think yep. there's a lot of – I mean, I'm sure you found this. There's a lot of people who try to do something and the professionalism is just not there. And I I always say, like, I'm chronically early. I My classes start on time. Mm -hmm. It's a really reliable thing. Generally speaking, I don't cancel a class unless there's a real situation or emergency. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, that level of professionalism is – it's hard to match. 
Absolutely. They might be able to, you know, go and get seashells because they loved your beach theme, but they're not necessarily going to copy who you are. Absolutely. And I think that one of the reasons I do share so many of my ideas is because I want parents at home. Again, this grew out of COVID. Yeah. Right. So I was sharing those ideas for parents to be able to do at home for their own kids. And I think that's great. And there's a lot of people who they will come to the class and be like, I could do this at home. Like, Great. Absolutely. Make a sensory bin for your kid. Yeah. Every child deserves that, to have something like that at home. Yeah. We have rainy days. We had weeks this fall where we canceled because of tropical storms and hurricanes. You remember that? One yeah. after the other. And it's like, parents are home with their kids. No school. Make a sensory bin. They're desperate for you to tell them. Yeah. You know, teach them how to do it. You know, I'm trying to give parents a tool in their toolbox. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Where can our listeners find you and your classes? I have a website. It's www.smock.art. That's the best way to register for classes. Also, Instagram really is the best. It's Mm -hmm. at smockedart. Great. And then one last question that I thought of. Um, Do you sell bins if people maybe don't live here or want to buy one as a gift? No. Okay. <laughs> so maybe that's the future. But one of the things that I have done for a few people who live outside of the Miami area mm-hmm. for parties um, is created kind of like a DIY. Oh. So just sending some pictures of samples of the bin and what it should look like and then um, recommending bases for the sensory bin that aren't dyed rice, right? So mm-hmm. uh, kind of ready-made materials like beans or red lentils and then sending an Amazon list with everything that you need to order and then how to lay it out. Your Etsy store would blow up. You'd sell out in two seconds. That's the next phase. I think that would be awesome. I'm just not a shipper. Yeah, it's hard work. I'm not a shipper. The big big bins and everything. I get it. You're not a shipper. You heard it I do think, I haven't shipped a bin, but I think it would be cost prohibitive, the shipping. Yeah, it was, yeah, I agree. Um, So everyone go register for a smocked art class and let us know what you think. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to visit Talking With Tata on Instagram and on Facebook.